everyone, welcome to the SBK betting podcast where we're looking ahead to a action-packed bumper edition Cheltenham Saturday where nine races are being jammed in. We've got the rerouted Clarence House chase, we've got the Cotswold chase, we've got a cleave, we've got the handicaps, we've got everything that we want and as it stands we're hearing it's one to four that the race meeting will go ahead with slight concerns throughout the course of this week that the cold weather was going to affect the racing going, but it looks like that it might just warm up in time. And we are excited to have Jumps Racing back. Last week, we had a, a momentarily moment hiatus to look through all, all the all-weather action with no Jumps Racing. And although it was good racing, I think Tom and I were probably relieved to see Al Algalia, well, if I get her out right, winning um, the the Winter Oaks, Tom, it was probably just about a nice enough performance, but made us sweat a little bit. She uh, probably is just about where the handicapper wants her, do you think? Yeah, I thought she was a real good thing going into the race, as people probably picked up by our, our preview um, last Thursday. But she looked like she was a good thing turning in for home and then didn't mm. really quicken in the way she did in the trial. Nevertheless, she got the job done. That's all you can ask for if you've punted a, a favourite, especially at a short price. And we almost got the forecast up as well. So, um, yeah, it was a, a good race for us for the podcast. And this week, the action's a lot better. So hopefully more winners to come. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, if anyone's listened to our um, anti-post previews of um, Cheltenham for the championship races and also um, the novice chases as well, have a listen. Um, it's they're definitely well worth listening to. Um, but what we've got to look forward to this weekend is essentially a lot of horses prep runs in their final races before the Chel- before the Cheltenham Festival itself. Um, and it is always been ultimately um, the trials day. So what will we see? Will we see Gold Cup contenders? Will we see Stairs Hurdle contenders, Ryanair contenders? Will we see the future Grand National winner? We are really looking forward to this weekend's racing. And I think, again, perhaps because of the lack of racing over the last few weeks, we've got decent enough field sizes without being spectacular. Um, so we're going to start with the Cotswold chase at 225, um, three mile, one and a half furlongs. And with just the six runners, a, a small enough field, but perhaps just a reflection on where our highest rated, the amount of highest rated chases in this division we really have in this country. Um, but the fact that one of the race, one of the horses actually comes over from Ireland just so just shows that, yeah, we're probably weak enough in this field as a whole come Cheltenham t- time uh, when it comes to the Gold Cup and even the Ryanair. Uh, the main protagonists do come from Ireland. But Dan and Harry Skelton will hope to dispel any thoughts that we don't have a real lively chance without, without with Long Press out, with Protector out, throwing his hat into ring as a big Gold Cup contender. And I heard him on Luck and Sunday, um, Harry Skelton, saying that they believe Protectorat is their best chance of the whole festival. And when you consider some of the handicap good things that they possibly have, that's quite a punchy statement. Protectorat is seven to four favourite coming off of a long break after winning the Bet Fair Chase. We've got Noble Yates, the Grand National winner, uh, who's been pretty decent in the runs that we've seen him so far, especially at Aitree last time. He's two to one. Frodon who um, he just he just shows that he still retains a, 
a lot of his old ability, whether he's still up there as classy as these other younger ones. He's seven to one, along with a bit of a new pretender in sounds Russian, a hoistenure on a bit of a comeback, and do start at 12 to one as well. So that makes up the field. Ross, um, I'll start with you first. As I said, Protect Rat, he's been given a long, long break. Uh, from the Betfair chase. I wonder if this has always been the plan. You think it is. The ultimate aim, obviously, is the Gold Cup. He was a brilliant third in the Gold Cup last year. He seemingly acts around Cheltenham. He's, I would imagine, I I feel, the right favourite at seven to four. Yeah, I think he's probably got the most solid profile for this race coming in. Um, I mean, the Betfair chase... Slightly, slightly fell apart. Uh, you know, Aplutard just didn't show up. Um, a beating of 10 lengths of Eldorado Allen is, is good enough form, don't get me wrong. And he was very impressive. You know, he travelled while he was called, could be called the winner, pretty much makes it in the back straight, um, put in some exuberant leaps. He's just a horse that, for whatever reason, I've never really gravitated to. I think he's, around Cheltenham, he can look awkward, sort of hung a little bit. Most notably in one of the two mile four handicap chases, he looked very awkward and it's just put me off from there. And I'm probably guilty of not reassessing him correctly. It's sort of, he's one of these horses, he's stuck in my head of sort of on my dark list and he, I'm yet to move him off. Um, so yeah, he acts on the track. Um, he comes here fresh. I think Dan Skelton is clearly a chip off the old block with Paul Nichols in that he sets out his plan for these horses early in the season and this has looked like plan one and they're, and they're sticking to it so you have to respect him I've not backed him I can't ever think in his career and I'm not going to start now at a at a short price I think Noble Yates is really interesting uh, that change of gear he showed in the many clouds chase you just can't help but be impressed by it you know for a a horse that we know stays really well because he's won a Grand National. To show that gear change on good ground is quite impressive. Though, for a Grand National winner, his jumping still concerns me. He did get pretty low at one or two round uh, entry in the many clouds. I'm just not sure this is going to be his his track. If it is and he handles the track, he'll win this and, and he's then a real-life Gold Cup contender. Um so, as I've done before, really, if I, if I struggle to split the top two, I try and find something away from the top two. And I just thought, sounds Russian. He's going to appreciate this slightly softer ground. He's going to appreciate this stiffer uh, test of stamina. You know, he stayed really well in the Royal America over three miles, beaten, you know, only a length by a very well handicapped, very progressive horse in into overdrive. Um, before that, he was he was fourth in the in the many clouds. Uh, beaten about eight lengths but he's two uh, so i think it was four lengths two pound now better off with uh the winner noble yates on that occasion and he didn't appreciate the quick ground you know he got outpaced stuck on and he was doing his best work in the last half furlong um he's won on mildly undulating tracks like uh, sedgefield and hexham he's going to handle this ground and he's definitely going to see the trip out well um I just think there's more to come from him. Uh, Sean Quinlan is a jockey I really like, really rate. Um, away from the top two, I'll have a small bet on him, but it emphasis on the small. Uh, it, but it's a race to watch because I think it's going to be really revealing as to the Gold Cup picture. 
Okay, yeah, he's seven to one. You you kind of always think, you know, Ruth Jefferson, um, that yard not famed for having big, you know, horses that rated hundred and he's rated one hundred and sixty one now. They're just not as well known as the skeletons and the likes. Um, Sean Quinlan, um, who I think is a mainly quite an underrated jockey, but he does he's does really 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 well, and he he I always think he's um, great to watch uh, in in in. Um, chase races as well sounds russian is one i thought really adds a bit of spice to the race because there's it lacks a little bit of i don't i just don't know how it's all going to pan out tactics wise i was really trying to work out will protect track go on um will sounds russian go on i heard her interview with ruth jefferson saying that he she's very happy to let her horse just bowl along and dictate i felt like protect track ross just before i move on get tom's selection i thought protect track Although he ran brilliantly in the Gold Cup last year, um, he didn't jump that well. And I don't know if it was the pace of the race that just sort of found him out just slightly. And I just wonder a steadier race where he can control it suits him a bit better. And if Sounds Russian was to control this, it might not work out into his hands. How do you see it setting up uh, tactically? I, I agree. And, and, you know, it's Protector at and this track that just doesn't do it for me. So... We're going to know, aren't we, after this, whether it's just going that gear slower or helps him, whether it's going uphill and, and downhill that just gets him out of his rhythm. And we should mention we've got a Hoy Senor in here. You know, he can cause a bit of a problem because he's he's going to go forward. And, you know, I know they said that they were much happier with him after the King George. I still thought he was a mile away from being a good enough jumper to contest these these top-level races. I think he'll take them along, actually. Noble Yates is definitely going to sort of wait with him aren't they and try and use that turn of speed that he showed uh, at Aintree and yeah I just think Sounds Russian can be ridden how they want to ride him you know they can set their own fractions they're definitely going to stay um, and I expect them to make it a fairly decent test yeah and Frodon pretty exuberant out in front as well they could all go on I just think that makes it a Quite fascinating from the get-go how this race will, will pan out. Okay, Sounds Russian, a worthy contender in this field and uh, one to take a chance on for, for Ross at 7-1. to one. Um, Tom, as we've discussed, it is a sort of a intriguing affair considering the, the makeup of how these horses normally run, their running style. Um, Noble Yates, a clear-cut stayer. He could be anything. We still don't know whether he's, you know, a genuine grade one performer. As he, as we, as we know, being a Grand National winner is one thing, but it's this is a very different kind of race to what he's experienced before. Albeit the runner Aintree last time in that Grade Two in a small field show that he can he's pretty he's damn versatile essentially. Yeah, he's really versatile, and I think he's now pigeonholed as a stayer because he's won the Grand National. But you've got to remember this horse only had 15 starts in his whole career. He's completely unexposed still. We don't know if this is the ceiling for Noble Yates. And that's kind of proven by the fact that he won last time out at Aintree with a career best performance on Racing Post ratings, a performance of 170. Now, on that basis, he still needs to improve to beat the likes of Protector at, who deserves to be favouring here because, you know, he won the Betfair Chase. And any horse that wins that Betfair Chase is kind of part and parcel of winning it. You're going to go off a reasonably short price in the remainder uh, of the big stay in chases for the rest of the season. Protector has good course form. He's won, two, um, won twice at Cheltenham. He can jump out to his right, which is a little bit of a concern. Same for Hoy Senor as well. Uh, he can jump out to his right. So if you're on Noble Yates, which I'm going to be, here's my selection, I want to be towards the rail, towards the inside. I don't want to be on the outside of these two errant jumpers. Um, Protector, as we've already touched on, is top rated. 
second start since Windop, the Skeletons are in rip-roaring form. So there's your case as to why he should be favourite. But I think it should be 7-4 to four Protector at 7-4 to four Noble Yates. And the fact that there's a bigger differential in the market, Protector at around 13-8 to eight right now, Noble Yates around 2-1, to one, I think you've got to take Noble Yates. And he's just got the best change of gears in the race, despite the fact he's won over four and a quarter miles. It's a bit ridiculous, really, that statement, but it's true. The way he quickened up at Aintree, he made a hoisignor and Dashiell um, Drasher just look slow. Uh, it was really impressive. And as I say, career best performance. If he takes that, another step forward, now switching to Cheltenham, the hill will definitely be in, in his favour. I think Noble Yates should win this race. And as Ross touched on, if he does uh, perform well out this track, then he is the most logical winner. And therefore, he has to be the play. Of the others, a hoisignor, I think, is a spring horse. He's a horse that I want to be on, on side uh, when it comes to Aintree. Frodon in my opinion, is way past his best right now. He'll probably set the pace along with the Hoysignor, as Ross touched on there. I don't think he's capable of winning this race. Uh, if he bounces back somehow to his best, then of course. But I think that's uh, in the past now. Sounds Russian needs to improve. That's kind of factored into his price. So I can see why Ross might like him. He is a horse that probably hasn't reached his ceiling yet either. Uh, and the other horse is Dusart, who is Dusart and the horse you can't really trust. So, yeah, I think it's probably a match between the top two. Sounds Russian, if he improves, can play a part in the finish. I'd rather Noble Yates at the prices. Okay. Uh, look, he's a, he's a horse that you've just got to put so much respect to Emmett Mullins to improve a horse no end. And it's it's difficult really finding Grand National horses that can improve so much so quickly after that that, that victory. Usually they really struggle and they're, and they're really thinking or feeling that Grand National victory for some time. Um, but This is Emmett Mullins, uh, right? See, yeah, exactly. And he's a he's he's a he's a shrewd operator, and he's clearly had this this plan laid out. Whether he's necessarily good enough to win a Gold Cup, but Ross feels that this is going to show us a huge amount about what the Gold Cup picture will look like um, um, after this race. Must mention that it's not been the best feeder into the Grand National of recent years, but it has been in the past. Um, and uh, let's hope we we see a, a good a good turn up. For for what it's worth, I'm going to take a chance on Protectorat. I think as TC, you've nearly given it my case um, to everyone. But keeping him so fresh, they are mighty keen on getting this horse pitch perfect. I actually think that he might be more spot on for this race than he could be for the Gold Cup after um, running running here because it's such a short. It is a short amount of time, if anything. Um, between now to the Gold Cup than from the Betfair chase to here. But I think he just possesses the best um, form from this season. Um, they've clearly... It, it will be for me how this race pans out tactic-wise. If they are very hard out in front and the likes of the Hoysenier and the likes of Frodon and Sounds Russian cut each other's thro throats, yes, it might make make protect rats jumping a little bit sticky, but I, I, like, I like to think that they've improved his jumping. And I saw that at Haydock last time. Um, and it could set itself up for closers. And that could be Noble Yates, but I'm going to go with Protectorat, um, who I just think has just got the slight class edge. But we're all, we're all differing of opinions for this one, which makes it a lot more interesting. Um, right, let's go on to the Clarence House chase, rerouted, thankfully, um, from uh, the abandoned Ascot, which we lost last weekend. Um, we've got, thankfully, also um, the same horses reappearing and, and a couple more. Um, after a bit of controversy about that. Um, but we've got Enerjameen, um, the champion chase winner and the current anti-post uh, champion chase favourite, four to nine for this. Edward Stone, 15 to eight, editor to Jeet. 
12 to 1. Great to have him in here. Fun and Bill Savola, 40s as well, um, with Amarillo Sky and Sizing Potsy, 100 to 1. Um, we, I think, collectively have all, we've spoken about Energamine on the uh, preview podcasts, um, talking about um, his profile going towards the champion chase and this being a lovely warm up of anything for that. And Ross, I'll ask you first, now that it's here at Cheltenham, does that give you more of a reason to believe that he's got even a better chance here than it had it been at Ascot? Um, possibly. I mean, I think I think Ascot suits him fine as well. You know, he got beaten by Shishkin not all that far and looked to have Shishkin all ends up for most of the race. So I don't think we can say Ascot didn't suit him. But the fact that we categorically know that Cheltenham does is certainly no bad thing. And in terms of us getting a picture going forwards, this race being at Cheltenham gives us far more of a clue going forwards to the to the champion chase. Um, I I just I don't see how if he turns up in form uh, he he gets beaten here. Edwardstone is a really nice horse, but they are going to hold him up. You imagine as they have done pretty much throughout his chasing career, certainly. I think Editor Dujit will take them along. Enegamine will, will sit behind. Um, and he's going to strike first. And then you've got to think, is Edward Stone going to get past him up the hill at Cheltenham? Um, you know, um, you have to cast your mind back. There was a chance Enegamine was going to go Ryanair at one point. You know, back, back in early in the season, they were talking that he could step up in trip. Um, he's not going to stop up the hill. And I don't think Edward Stone, admirable though he is, and underrated though he is, is going to get past Enigamine, given that Shishkin just about did it. And Shishkin's a better horse than uh, Edward Stone. So I, I just think it's, it's not a race I'm going to have a bet in, but um, if Enigamine gets beaten here, um, then it really puts the cat amongst the pigeons for the champion chase. But I, I just don't see it, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's pretty much fair enough. Edward Stone, I think we've talked about this plenty of times, Tom. You know, it's he's just a hot, another, like like we've said, with Protect Rats, slightly of the same ilk, just slightly hard to warm to. Um, hasn't done a huge amount wrong. I think we've all discussed, you know, perhaps, I think it was Ross who mentioned it because he wasn't a high-class hurdler. Um, he's sort of, Caught everyone by surprise. Lovely horse, admirable horse, but Enigamine's got that star quality. Um, I just feel that uh, Cheltenham will bring out even uh, a better version of him, Enigamine, that is. But obviously, having said that, um, all respect to Edward Stone, we've seen him at this track last year producing a brilliant performance, and it might even be more of a benefit to him than being at Ascot. So potentially we might see a better Edward Stone here. How do you see it? Yeah, maybe. I mean, last time out, he should have won that race at Kenton when he unseated after making a terrible mistake. Editor de went on to win, but Edward Stone would have won if he just produced uh, his previous effort. It would have been en enough to suffice a uh, victory there. Um, and Ergamine's just a better horse, as we've all touched on. Uh, I, I think he's the banker of the Cheltenham Festival in the champion chase for reasons why. Go check out the uh, the preview pod we did, the anti-post preview pod. Um, my advice here would be, if you like an argument to win this race, back him at 8-11 to 11 to win the champion chase rather than back him at 8-15 to win on Saturday because you're just getting better value. And if he wins decisively and Edward Stone gets round having jumped well, 
then then Energamine is going to be probably towards one to two, eight to fifteen for the champion chase. So I think the value lies within the antipost market rather than the market for the Clarence House on Saturday. Um, there's just very little to put you off in Ergamine, isn't there? He's only been beaten once since his debut. That came against Shishkin in the phenomenal edition of this race when SBK sponsored it last year. Um, it was a prime Shishkin, only ran down an Ergamine in the dying strides. And Ergamine did nothing wrong, just got beat by an elite horse who was subsequently probably paid the price for going into the red zone that day as he just hasn't been the same since, albeit he's had spine issues and whatnot. Um, but Anagamine rebounded from that and he's come back at a better horse. His Hillyway victory, uh, first up this year, super impressive despite beating trees. Um, and you know with Anagamine that every time he turns up to the track, he's going to run to a mark probably mid-170s. That would suffice in this race. It would be Edward Stone nine times out of ten. So I see no reason to take him on. It's not the best mm. punting race, but as I say, the antipost market for the champion chase is where you want to head. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that's uh, fair enough. To that point, though, TC, considering you do fancy Noble Yates uh, for the Cotswold Chase, um, would you be suggesting that he's a good bet at this stage antipose for a Gold Cup or perhaps a Grand National? Uh, neither. Maybe the Grand National if they head there without going to the Gold Cup, but I don't think that's likely. And if you go to the Gold Cup, it's a completely different race to the Cotswold Chase. I mean, Protector Act's not going to be favourite for the Gold Cup. Uh, Galapanda Champs in there. There's low, there's real depth in the Gold Cup antipost market at the moment. Statler, uh, there are plenty others I could come up with. Whereas right, right now, the Cotswold Chase, to me, looks like a match between two horses who, if I was to rank horses in the Gold Cup antipost market between grade A and grade F, for example, I'd put them Noble Yates and Protector out between B and C, whereas you've got others in the Gold Cup antipost market who are grade A, grade A minus. So it would be a big step up, even if he was to win the Cotswold Chase, to then go and win the Gold Cup. Mm. You're forgetting Brave Man's Game, of course, the one that you love. <laughs> yeah, a, a different track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Perhaps we'll, we'll re, uh, reevaluate what if, um, depending on what kind of performances we see on um, Saturday. But having said that, news have just got, come through. So thank you to our SBK Bessie podcast producers that there is a contingency plan if, ban if racing has to get abandoned on Saturday because. The clerk of the course do not envy his position, still monitoring the ground. They're hoping that the, it's going to thaw out. There is still parts of the track that are unraceable because of this, this cold spell. So if they do have to abandon, they're looking at options of race day being on Sunday instead of Saturday. So hopefully this race meeting in some guys, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, will happen. That's the most important thing, that it doesn't get completely shelved. Um, so that is two of nine races um, for you to get your teeth into on either Saturday or Sunday. Um, there's serious good action outside of it, um, not just from um, Cheltenham, but from Doncaster, from Utoxito. It is a, it's a real great race uh, race day on Saturday. So, as always, we have the opportunity to go and get a nap and an ex-best from Ross and TC. And, Tom, considering you had a, a nap winner last week, we'll start with you first. Yeah, and this horse I'm going to put up as my nap is a, a horse that's been extremely frustrating in his career since making a winning bumper debut um, for Colin Tizard in December 2020. He subsequently had one more run in a bumper, then moved to Fergal O'Brien, and that horse is called Autonomous Cloud. He runs in the 3.42 at Utoxeter. Now, for Fergal O'Brien, he's had five starts. He's recorded form figures of 3.3, 2.2.2. He's a horse that has traded at 1.44 and 1.06 in running in a couple of runner-up efforts. Last time out, 
they stepped him up in trip and it looks like Fergal has suddenly realized this horse needs distance. He needs ground. He needs a stamina test because he had been running over two and a half miles and he just wasn't getting there. And when he did get there, he wasn't finding enough with his turn of foot to go past the leader. Hence why he was beaten at short prices in running. Last time out over two miles, seven and a half furlongs at Lingfield on extremely testing ground. He made a nice move late in the race to pick up second behind a horse who made the pace. That horse had a five-length advantage coming into the home straight. Autonomous Cloud was probably given a pretty below-par uh, ride sorry, by Adrian Heskin, just too far off the leader, and he just could never get close. Now, there was plenty of encouragement there, and I know I said this horse is extremely frustrating, but now he steps up to three miles, two furlongs. I think that's going to be the key to um, a big improvement here, catalyst for improvement for Autonomous Cloud. And this is by far the easiest assignment he has faced since his bumper days. This is a 0-120, the same level he was running in last time out and the time before. But this field looks extremely weak. He carries top weight. I, I think he wins this by a comfortable margin if he puts his head down and knuckles down to win. So, yeah, the nap is Autonomous Cloud in the 3.42 at Utoxter. You're a braver man than I am. I would I can't be trusting horses with all those twos to their name. Oh, Piggler yeah. for me, but look, I'm happy, happy, happy to happy to follow you through autonomous cloud in the 342 at your for Fergal Brown. He's actually got a really good bunch of runners throughout the course of the day, especially at Cheltenham, where he um he does so well. Um, Adrian Heskin obviously going over as well. Um, next best for you while we while we've got you. Yeah, next best. Now I'm going to go on a bit of a spiel here because I really like this horse, but not. I think the race is too competitive to put him up as the nap. The next best is Henry the second in the 335 at Cheltenham. Nine of the last 10 winners of this race have been sent off 7-1 to one or shorter in the market. The only exception was 16-1 to one shot, Ordo Ab Chow, who, was, who narrowly beat the 11-10 favourite value at risk back in 2015. This is a race that tends to revolve around the protagonists in the market. Paul Nichols has only had two runners in this race in the last decade. Vago Colonge, who finished third in that aforementioned race, won by Ordo Ab Chow. Uh, he was sent off eight to one. He ran a good race. His only subsequent runner was top of the game. He finished fourth in 2017 before going on to win in grade one company over fences later in his career. It suggests to me that Paul either doesn't like the race. And he's, you know, he's reluctant to, to put any of his horses in it, or he only wants to run his good horses in this event. Now, it's extremely interesting that he's got a runner in this year's renewal, Henry II, because he hasn't had any runners for the last two weeks. Obviously, his horses have flu jabs. Therefore, that you, you don't always expect them to come back in flying form. But Paul Nichols obviously expects Henry II to be uh, something like his best because otherwise he wouldn't enter in here. This six-year-old's already proven he's well capable of winning at the level. He won a grade two last time out of Sandown in really gutsy fashion. He looked beat, rallied after the last hurdle and went away in quite a decisive manner. And early in his career, albeit he hadn't been running in similar, similar quality races, he's beaten some good horses. First time up, he beat Dear Mark, trained by Sam Thomas, who Ross and I were fortunate to to go and see earlier this week in a, a Tips is on Tour AV piece, which is going to come out there. So make sure you check that out on our YouTube and social media in the near future. Um, he also beat Authorised Speed, another subsequent three-time winner, much like Dear Mark, who was sent off favourite for the Grade 1 Tollworth a few weeks back. Two more horses he's beaten, Hugo's New Horse and Scarface, both multiple subsequent winners. His only two defeats since uh, he's been racing for Paul Nichols came in a bumper entry where he sustained a hind leg injury and was pulled up. And when he finished second to Chianti Classico on a seasonal reappearance, that horse has won his two subsequent outings. Looks really promising going forward, especially uh, when the, the weather gets bad again, coming into you know September, October time. So Paul Nichols is now putting the tongue tie on. Interesting. Running in this race, interesting. 
And although he has to give five pounds to some improving types, like likes of Pembroke, I think he's well capable of doing that. I think he's a grade one horse in the making. Paul Nichols said this horse could be his best novice hurdler. So Henry II is my next best in the 335 at Cheltenham. Wow. That's big words for Paul Nichols, <laughs> considering the considering the, um, the the string of novice hurdlers that he's got. And um I like to I like to hear that myself because I thought Henry II looked good without being overly special. I was disappointed when he got beaten by Chianti Classico, but that horse is a smart horse. I really, really like him. And he's obviously backed up that form. So, okay, Henry II, he's got to give five pounds away to my selection though, but I'll come to that in a bit. We'll go to Ross first um, before we do. Um, so much good racing around. Um, it's uh, really ignited our um, our uh, previous uh, conversations about having more breaks so we can have better racing. Um, not too often, but at least we have competitive action with some good prices for you, Ross. Yeah, no, that last break was too long. I mean, what do people that don't like horse racing do with their spare time? I mean, I just, Mrs. Miller's really pleased. I've got through my list of uh, jobs and uh, she was giving me more to do. Um, the nap comes in the 307 at Utoxeter. Uh, and, and a bit like TC, I'm napping one here that, that does find winning pretty difficult. Last win came in uh, December 2021. Um, it's the Richard Hobson Crane trained Disco de Plage. Um, he really goes well at this track, uh, despite his form figures here being a uh, two unseated rider and falling both times when he's unseated and when he fell, he's looked like the winner. Last time out, down to a mark of 97, James Best was absolutely swinging off and coming to three out. And James Best is a really solid jockey, but there was a big breakdown in communication. He thought about sending him long, then he thought about asking him to pop and they ended up doing nothing and uh, collapsed in a heap on the backside of the fence, unfortunately. Uh, but three out is, is some way out at Utoxa, but there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he was going to gonna waltz up there off this mark. Um, equally, when unseating uh, Will Kennedy back in 2021, he was going really well. That was off a mark of 108. He was second off a mark of 107. Uh, as we mentioned plenty of times before, Richard Hobson's yard were a bit in and out last year, but he did manage a couple of placed efforts off higher marks than this. He'll go on the ground. You know, he's obviously got no ill effects uh, from his, his fall because Richard Hobson's a very uh, detail-orientated trainer. Um, and I just think this mark of 97 is, is way below his ability. Hopefully, Paul O'Brien, who has a go, can get him over the tricky third last. And if he does, I think he'll take all the beating. Okay, he does have that F to his name. I know it's Tom that doesn't back horses after they've fallen. So Ross is um, trying to dispel that myth. Um, let's hope that Disco de Plage can, uh, can prove um, successful for you. What about your next best? Uh, so next best, there was, there was plenty to choose from. I mean, I'm fully signed up to uh, the Henri fan club. I think he's a, he's a super horse. Um, but actually, it was, it was your selection in that race that put me off uh, next best thing, him. So I've come down on That's Right Gino in the 1210. Um, it was pretty disappointing last time, I thought, but actually, in hindsight, trying to give £8 to Haddock's to Oboe probably wasn't a, it wasn't a bad effort being beaten 15 lengths in the end, albeit he didn't jump well. He didn't jump fluently. Um, that's a mild concern, but I've been waiting for this horse to go up in trip. I thought his effort at Newbury... Uh, when chasing home the Dan Scout and uh, Fred Arms, um, conceding £9 
that horse is now rated 135 and he got outpaced badly at Newbury. Uh, he did that's right, Gino, and stayed on really eye-catchingly. Um, this step up in trip on this track where he's already won a novice hurdle, I think is absolutely ideal. I think of a mark of 138, there's plenty of juice left in that. Uh, Jamie Snowden and Gavin Sheen have been absolutely flying this year. Um, provided he gets into a rhythm, and that is a little concern because he didn't jump well last time, but hopefully they'll just go a gear slower over this trip on this ground. I think he's uh, got a great chance. Okay, taking on a, a skeleton team in a handicap, though, at your peril. Um, also, Venetia Williams trained um, fire dancer who's uh, in this in this race off a mark of 120. You don't know if that's that's a gift or not yet um, for that horse in the in the Rich Ritchie silks, but that's a really interesting handicap. I thought, um, as is a few of them. We don't. I'll try to remind uh, listeners that. Um, over the course of the nine race meeting, we've got a premier handicap chase with the likes of Cool Cody um, and uh, uh, some all-time favourites in there um, and uh, Spirit of the Games, all of that likes um, in that two and a half mile um, handicap chase. And one of your horses to follow, Fugitive, Ross, um, up big time in the weights, another £10 um, for Richard Hobson, who you hope will um, be successful with Disco de Plage. And uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a day of serious interest from so many different respects, um, especially for handicaps for the, at the Cheltenham Festival as well. Um, okay, thanks to Ross and, and TC. My selections, okay, so I'm going to take on Tom um, in the 335 at Cheltenham and the Ballymore Novice Hurdle with a horse that I've followed all season and he's a bit of a talking horse. I don't think he's going to be missed and I think he's going to be backed in a little bit because of this profile and he's chasing a fifth at straight success this season and that's Blenkinsop for Henry Daly um, and Hugh Nugent. Um, he is a half-brother to their um, sort of stable star, if you like, Fortescue, who only got better for stepping up and trip and chasing as well. And really, it's been the step up and trip this season that's really benefited him. Yes, he's come massively up in the handicap um, and he's just looked just progressive in that sphere. And now this is completely different territory in a grade two Ballymore of this light. But I thought reading through it, Yes, Tom is given a quite a comprehensive case for Henry II. And if you're led to believe that he's one of Paul Nichols's best um, novice hurdlers, then I'm feeling a bit scared. But I thought this is quite a winnable uh, Ballymore um, novice's hurdle. And I thought a horse of this profile um, with horses who I wasn't too certain about um, look, arriving in such good form could be better than we've even seen. And I always like a horse who's been on a roll going up in the weights proving even better uh, the, the, in, the, in, the, in, the most, in the previous runs and the ones um, beginning. So he's just showing that he's just improving and improving um, just despite how much he's been risen in the handicap. So this isn't a really intriguing one. He does get five pounds off Henry II as well, as mentioned. So that's a benefit. So Blenkinsop for me. Um, my next best is a horse that I really, really liked last season. And I think Tom and I both did uh, Phoenix Way. Um, he is running in the 150 um, at Cheltenham, uh, the, the, the race that I mentioned, the two and a half mile handicap chase, which we see time and time again um, at this track. Um, Phoenix Way, I backed at Kempton back in February uh, of last year in that, um, in that big grade three, where I think he went off favourite in the end. He took a horrible fall early on. And I really think that took a lot out of the horse. He was given a long time off. Um, I think he, they even 
at one point had him in the Grand National, but I think they thought that he was never going to stay that far. But they ran him at Punchestown and he ran poorly, pulled up, just didn't look right. And I think he probably just was feeling the effects of that big fall. But prior to that, he had beaten Fanny and Destreval at Ascot. He was on a real improve. He was a real improver. I just loved him as a horse. And I just think that he can be forgiven for the end of last season. And I was very... Uh, encouraged by the run he put in at Chepstow when he was forced to fugitive. Um, he just probably needed the run. Um, he was given quite a patient ride and I think he'll benefit from it. Uh, he's been a bit given a bit of an, uh, an easier time by the handicapper. He's actually dropped him a couple of pounds now. Um, so if a mark of 142 um, and at a double figure price around 16 to one, I think you can get, I think he's worth trying now. Um, let's hope that he's just hasn't mentally Still, he isn't mentally still thinking about that fall, which some horses can do. But Phoenix Way in that 150 um, at Cheltenham um, to add uh, to your selections as um, also given by Ross and Tom. So that is it. That is a look at this weekend's racing. Spin through the best of the graded action. You've also got the Cleve Hurdle. Um, you've got uh, Paisley Park trying to get a remarkable fourth straight victory in that race. Epiton is in action as well um, over at Doncaster too. Um, that must have been quite a difficult decision for Aidan Coleman, but he's chosen Paisley Park at Cheltenham instead of Epiton. Um, so lots to look forward to. We'll be, are we really looking forward to sort of reviewing it and um, with a guide to the Cheltenham Festival, which is coming up um, in about six weeks' time. So that's it. A reminder that new SBK customers can get £10 in free bets by betting £10. So that's just £10. T's and C's apply. Um, please remember to subscribe to, to whatever podcast channel you listen to or uh, the YouTube channel as well, where you can find um, that those Antipose Cheltenham Festival podcasts too. There's loads of other content there, um, including SBK ambassador content and stable tours. Thanks to Tom. Thanks to Ross. And we'll see you next week.